Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and cool, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a gasping concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a fright. Welcome to the greatest And welcome back to The Greatest Show on Earth. It's Wednesday. It's the midweek. We're going to help you get through that midweek slump. It's Talking Terror. This week, we are bringing you the Mad Monkey's Pit from 1985, Return of the Living Dead, directed by Dan O'Bannon. As always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you back. And I'm also joined by the bold, the beautiful, he wants your brains, and he's sexy and he knows it, the Goldie Keith. It makes the pain go away. Hello, everybody. What is going on? <laughs> Welcome back, Ghoul. How are you doing since we last spoke? I am fan-fabulous as always. Excellent, excellent. And we're also joined by the monkey. He keeps banging on the side of this canister. A trioxin I brought in as a prop, but I'm afraid of what he's going to fucking unleash. So, monkey, can you stop doing that and just introduce yourself? <laughs> Hi there, my fans. I'm your Mad Monkey, broadcasting to you live from the newly steel reinforced drunken monkey rehabilitation clinic. Yep, because Nurse Johnson and I are watching this week's film. And along with this film, we were also watching the latest Halloween movie. And she just lost her shit about how insecure the clinic was. And this is just why I shouldn't let Nurse Johnson watch horror movies. But I'm glad to be back on the air with my fellow horror hosts, you two sexy motherfuckers. Yeah, she does not like horror movies. Motherfucker. <laughs> I found out. She calls at least once a week and tells me to stop letting you watch horror movies. I was like, but we have a podcast to do. I can't help that. She's like, you guys got to have sick tastes. <laughs> and he just looks and at her and he's like, do you think this is a fucking costume? This is a fucking way of life. Goddamn right. <laughs> And then I cut her the check for the monkeys, you know, medical bills, and then I leave. Yeah. <laughs> we got to pay the state. He gets a lot of shots. <laughs> I mean, wow. I was looking at the fucking list. I'm like, can you cut back on some of these uh, things that you're giving him? Nope. I was like, he is heavily medicated during the week. Always. I, I just have a thing about Always. knee bills in my ass. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the only way that you like it for some reason. There's other places. Yeah, needles in his ass. <laughs> Sticking so sharply, had needles in his ass. No, she, she, she tries to put it in my arm, and I'm just like, nope, nope, no, no. No, you just no. stick your ass right in the air, and you're like, you know where I like it. Okay. He's like, plunge that pill right up my bunghole, man. That's the way to go. Get it all the way up there. Get this deep. Suppositories. Yay. <laughs> That's the monkey's favorite day of the week. Hey, if that's how the kids are taking their alcohol now, if you ask, it might as well be the way I take my medication. Well, listen, man, that's, that's the whole doing that? phenomena. That, that is boofing, okay? They they stick the alcohol up their assholes. They stick their drugs up the assholes. It bypasses the liver, so you get higher and, and, and faster than you could ever imagine. I don't know. I, uh, you know, I know back in my day, I just preferred it the old-fashioned method, um, you know, imbibing it through, through the mouth. Um, yeah, yes, oral. yes, or oral. I loved, I loved 
giving oral. I mean, I mean, I love taking things orally um, as long as it didn't make a mess around like my, my face. <laughs> oh. Oh. Somebody called the barn unit because the monkey just burned someone. Oh, man. Pencil dick. It's the only one I'm getting. <laughs> yeah. Just call me light switch because that's about the same size. Put <laughs> that beam. <laughs> dink, dink, dink. So anyway, before we get to any kind of horror news, and let's uh, just get away from Monkey's Dick, just like everybody else does. Um, yeah. I do want to bring up for this weekend. There is indeed something going on. Uh, if you are in the Allentown, PA area, that would be Allentown, Pennsylvania, um, or if you're not, get your ass to Allentown, Pennsylvania. Why? I'll tell you fucking why. The horror sideshow market, okay? That's why. Hosted Ooh. by, you know, none other than Ryan Scott Weber of New Jersey HorrorCon, Mary Horror, you know, the Sheriff Tom vs. Zombies, all of those films. But like I said also, the NJ HorrorCon that happens down in Atlantic City twice a year. Well, they are hosting the horror sideshow market, a vendor extravaganza. Um, come get all kinds of cool shit, man. Meet some cool guests. Uh, people will be uh, selling all kinds of fun things, including our very own Bonfire Beat Designs. Hugs coming in early for that one today. Um, you know, she'll be there, as well as a hell of a lot of other vendors, as well as some guests, too. There will be none other than the one, the only, Father Evil. Uh we will have the amazing Kreskin. He will read your mind, man. Read your mind. John O'Hurley, host extreme. Oh. Yes, indeed. Very, very handsome gentleman. And the one, the only, the face of Michael Myers, Tony Moran. Uh, again, oh, yeah. all, all right. of these guys, June 8th, June 9th. You know, this is at uh, Allentown, PA. I will give you exact address in a moment. Um, just got to scroll around and find stuff because I don't remember shit. Uh, Merchant Square, the address would be 1901 South 12th Street. That would be 12th Street, 12TH Street in Allentown, <laughs> Pennsylvania. It is $5 to enter. And uh, again, Bring your money, bring your stuff, bring your kids, bring your wives, you know, the, the opposite of the hide you guys. You know, bring them all, bring them, let them all come in. And, uh, again, we're looking Saturday from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., Sunday from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Thank you. Like, Excellent. Uh, you know, the, the, the bonfire beat design lady just told me there's going to be like 100 vendors there. Yeah. Okay. So hey, get, just putting it out there. out there. Just putting it out there for people that go. And they do buy something from Bonnie and from the wonderful ghoul. He will kiss every single one of you. Just a little butterfly kiss on your stomach. On your tummy. Just to uh, say thank you. He will. Yeah, no, no, no. That's, uh, he, he will. You know what? Full I, tummy uh, kiss. No, the, ki- the, king, the king can offer that. Yes, he can. Um, I can deny that. Uh, similar to, uh, to, to a very, very famous film that I enjoy very much, which would be Death Proof. Um, just like the young lady in that movie. I will completely say that I've given up my kiss earlier in the night, and to leave me the fuck alone, I will not kiss your belly. <laughs> but, you know, 
Maybe if the king or, or the monkey himself, you know, come, they will kiss you wherever you want to be kissed. They're not going to stop at your belly. They might kiss you, baby. No, I don't know. I mean, I personally, that's a service I offer. I mean, I don't care, man, woman, I don't care who you are. If you buy something, I'll full-on come kiss you. That's what I do. They might kiss, they might kiss your clit. You know, the bean, they're going to kiss you. A little bit of tongue kissing. You know, I'll, I'll give you a hug. I'll gaze lovingly into your eyes. I mean, who knows what is going to happen? It's Allentown. Anything's possible. That's it, man. That is it. So, like I said, the Horror Sideshow Flea Market, uh, Horror Sideshow Market, get your asses out to Allentown, Pennsylvania this weekend. This weekend only, so get out there. Bye. Bye, bye, bye. Hurry up and bye. Consume and buy. Consume and buy. Thank you, David. Do it this All weekend. Right. Now, I know the ghoul is super excited because we, we got some shit opening up this weekend, which we're going to get into. But before we talk about Dark Phoenix, ghoul, I want to ask you, has, has Avengers now beaten Free Willy? Not yet. I have not gotten there for that sixth viewing yet, man. It's killing me. I have to tie it. I do, I do, I do, and I just can't. I, I've just been busy. I've had too much shit going on, and yeah, all kinds of fun stuff. So, no, I have not tied it yet. And I got a buddy at work who hit number four. Okay, he hit number four. He's right up my butt now. Oh, boy. <laughs> Climbing. Climbing right up there. But then one more thing Getting in the ghoul's way of getting number six On in-game is this weekend You have Dark Phoenix opening up man <laughs> Yes 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 indeed but you know what man Last week <clears throat> I also had Godzilla which I have not gotten to go see yet You know that's one that I want to see In theaters I went and saw Brightburn Um you know, so so that I saw in theaters, like there's just so much at this time of year, you know, and and it's hard yeah. to just sit there and say, hey, you know, I, I I am going to justify going to see one movie for the sixth time, when you know <laughs> what I can go see this movie for the first time and be like, yay, movie! Um, even though Endgame still makes me feel like, yay, movie, like an anime character, you know, like I'm even doing the pose, I'm like standing here. Um, I feel like I'm Sailor Moon or something. But, uh, uh, so, so yes, Dark Phoenix, you know, um, this, this is one of those I've been watching the trailers. X-Men was my jam. That's my shit. I know just anything up to, to the X-Men to like the 2005 area, um, give or take. No, don't hold me to that shit, man. Somebody will be like, well, what was the name of the character that did this, this, and this, and this? And I'll be like, yeah, Wolverine. <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. Um, but the fact of the matter is I loved the X-Men. They, they were a very integral part of my teenage years. It is something that just I, I kept up with for, for a very long time. When the film started coming out, I was ecstatic. Um, and then, you know, disappointed at certain times. Ecstatic again and then disappointed again. Uh, I was kind of okay with everything I had been seeing, even regarding the trailers for this. Um, you know, until I recently looked up and saw what the runtime for the film is. And that kind of like took a lot of wind out of my sails for this. This movie, you know, was clocked in at an hour and 53 minutes. I'm going to guess that's yeah. probably about 10 minutes worth of credits. 
Mm-hmm. So you're probably looking at about an hour and 40, hour and 43 minutes of actual movie. Um, yeah, I mean, if it's going to do the Phoenix saga properly and within one film, which they kind of have to do, unless they're somehow going to pull off connecting this to the MCU proper with these actors, which I don't see happening. You know, they're going to want to build things from the start. I just feel like it's going to be like, nah. and I know that there were all kinds of reshoots because, you know, the ending of this was supposedly very similar to the ending of Captain Marvel. Um, I guess to the degree that they said, Hey, that's a no. Um, you know, mm. I don't know what chick lit on fire and flew around space. It's kind of both the characters wheelhouse. I mean, does it really matter if they're that similar? Uh, but, Whatever, man. So it's going to be what it is. Uh, I have Endgame, you know, so I'm, I'm looking forward to, to seeing that again. I will see Dark, you know, I will see Phoenix. I'll see Dark Phoenix, and uh, I'll have more hopes for the future, I think, than, than anything else. So now, now, do you know if they're planning this to be the finale for the X Men movies, or is this just? <sighs> I, I think it's going to be one of those where. You know, I mean, this was Fox's project. So, yeah. as far as what Disney's going to do with it, they kind of kept things under wraps, you know. I, I would say, yes, this is the, the, the hurrah of the Fox version of the X-Men. You know, whether or not they okay. decide they're going to pull any of these actors out and do this or that, you know, that's uh, that, that's up to them. Like I said, I, I would love to see Disney take that money truck and be like, hey, you know what? We're not paying Robert Downey Jr. billions upon billions of dollars anymore. Chris Evans, Hugh Jackman, we want you guys together for one team-up film, Captain America, Wolverine, the uniting of the Fox X-Men franchise with the MCU. Put that shit together and make that fucking movie happen. But, you know, we'll see. All right, then. All right. Mm-hmm. What have you got lined up for horror news? <clears throat> well, I do have some items for horror news I wanted to talk about, but I also wanted to do a couple of quick recommends uh, for podcasts because I know I, uh, the way I operate, I don't have a car, so I walk everywhere. So I'm always listening to podcasts, whether it's fictional podcasts or uh, podcasts with interviews, like Eli Roth's History of Horror, uh, which is on Shudder, which is a fantastic one. Uh, she Kills, the Adrian Barbeau-hosted podcast. Excellent. I think you guys should check it out if you have time. Uh, but the three fictional ones that I'm listening to right now, um, one is called The Horror of Dolores Roach, which is a modern take on Sweeney Todd that takes place in an empanada shop in the New York Bronx area. Fantastic. It's an eight-part series. Uh, there's also Video Palace, which is courtesy of Shudder, all about a mysterious white VHS tape that causes a lot of death and destruction along the way. And SCP Archives. It's a white VHS tape because it's not normal. It's paranormal. So that's the whole catch. Um, And SCP Archives, which is a Void Disgusting podcast, uh, where they discuss a weird kind of paranormal monster case every week that's in their archives. There was two episodes that are my favorites right now. One involves an old Ronald Reagan VHS tape where he's giving a speech, but every time he gives a speech, if you rewind it, his face starts to get cut apart and melts, and he becomes kind of like a monstrous being. And there's also one about a haunted Ikea that if you go into it, you come out murderous and you have to be executed on site. So that's SCP Archives. You can find those wherever you find your podcasts. But those are the ones I'm listening to right now. I'm obsessing over them. 
I have so many more I've yet to listen to, but those are three that I would say if you have time, if you like podcasts, fictional, like storytelling ones, those are three that I would definitely recommend. Um, there's also the non-fictional uh, Nightmare University with Dr. Rebecca McKendry. She was a previous guest on the show during our first run. Uh, she does a podcast where she discusses the subgenres of horror, oceanic horror, uh, haunted house horror, uh, jungle horror, all these types of subgenres, and it's a fantastic jungle horror. <laughs> jungle horror. <laughs> yeah. It's excellent. It's a great deep dive. It's almost presented like it's a class uh, where you get to learn all these things and ins and outs that you probably would never know about these movies. Uh, so it's definitely recommended on my part. So with that out of the way, uh, when we were kids, obviously you guys are older than I am, but we all kind of played some more things. Really, real quick, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt your setup though, but just to just to piggyback on the whole podcast listening thing, man, I do I have to give credit where credit is due. Um, mm-hmm. Listening this week, one of the podcasts that I do enjoy listening to um, is the We Hate Movies guys. Mm-hmm. Very fantastic. Dudes. Uh, yep. They did G.I. Joe, Rise of the Cobra. Uh, I, I, I highly advise that when you're done listening to us, go head on over there and give that one a listen. I had to pull my truck over in the middle of the day because I had tears flowing from my eyes at some point. I couldn't, like, drive. I couldn't focus because I was laughing so fucking hard, man. They do that. I'm not yeah, saying that, I'm a huge fan that we're not funny. We're fucking plenty funny. Believe you me, I'm funny. Look at Will, the, 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 the mad monkey. He's a funny motherfucker. But these guys are also funny dudes. What's my they are fantastic. Sorry, wrong, wrong person. They, uh, they do a lot of good horror ones, too. I didn't realize I didn't mute it. <laughs> they do a lot of great horror uh, podcasts as well. You know, the We Hate Movies guys. Halloween 6 is one of my favorites, where they imagine Dr. Fumas is a shock jock host. Like Howard Stern, they call him Louis Lewis. He's like, oh, my God, Michael, she's taking off her shirt and showing us her boobs. He's like, it's so funny. Like, it's just, uh, my God, I, I laugh so incredibly hard at those guys and what they do. So, yeah, they're definitely worth a listen. We hate movies. Not a plug for their show necessarily, but definitely check them out. You know, the ghoul's a huge fan, so am I. So that's the, uh, the podcast uh, to listen to, other than ours. We hope you listen to ours. <laughs> but... If you want to host some others, yeah, there's others out there. Well, that would make that would make a little bit of sense mm-hmm. that they'd be listening to ours if we're telling them to go listen to theirs, because <laughs> they would have to be hearing it here before they're going to hear it there. Yeah, and there's been and listening. there's been a couple times where the We Hate Movies guys <laughs> cover movies that we've covered on the show, and I'm like, holy shit, they covered that one. I got to listen to what they think now and see if they hit the same <laughs> notes that we did. And it's kind of cool to to listen back. Some of those episodes where it's like, yep, nope, they hit the right note. They got it. You know, <laughs> they got the same thing that we did out of that movie. Um, oh, but anyway, I'm going back to like horror news. Like travel. So, yes, yes, horror news. Uh, back, back in the 80s. Sorry. It's all right. So, back in the 80s and 90s, we're all playing with different toys, different type of things. Uh, and I'm myself. sure you guys have all played with a Magic 8 Ball at one point in your lives as kids, as teens. Yeah. Done a lot of mm-hmm. eight balls. Oh wait, oh wait. I, I, I didn't. <laughs> Not those eight I, I balls. I played with balls. Yeah. I don't know. Oh well, I played with my balls. Um, yeah. I guess you could have called it eight balls. <laughs> if I squeeze it the right way, it looks like an eight ball. <laughs> <laughs> well, those classic eight balls of, of childhood. You shake them, and they will just give you a portion. So you have to ask a question, and then if you shake it, it'll give you an answer. Um, 
Did you ever think that they would make a horror movie out of it? Who's making a horror movie out of the eight ball? Yes. Yeah, good question. Great question, Monkey. Blumhouse is producing a movie based on the Magic 8-Ball, and they're going to make it into a horror film based on that object, yes. written by Julian Jacobs and Adam Roach. So you can expect that movie to come out soon. Uh, that's one of those things when I posted on the Facebook page. I said, uh, what happened to Connect 4? Are we going to make a horror movie out of Connect 4 next? Hungry Hungry Hippos? Mm. No. That's silly, Twister man. Was, but think about it. Twister you know, was, we've had Truth or Dare. <laughs> We've had Ouija, you know, like all of these things that supposedly have to attach to the spiritual world in order to give us these answers that we seek. Um, so, so yeah, making a movie out of it, it's, it's kind of natural. I mean, is it probably going to be dull? More than likely. I don't know. I know a lot of people didn't like Truth or Dare. I did. A lot of people liked Ouija. I didn't. Um, so there's that. Yeah, monkey. What do you think? Uh, first of all, I've yet to see Truth or Dare because when I, when I uh, found a copy, I found another version, another movie called Truth or Dare that was not the one that you're talking about, Ghoul. But it was released right around the same time, and I watched the wrong fucking movie, and it pissed me off. You always but, do. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's like I could definitely see them going this way. You know, it's it's gonna go the CW slash WB route. We're gonna have a bunch of pretty white people going around and it's going to be with the magic eight ball and it's going to be all mysterious things happening it's uh i can just see it as you know like another final destination kind of thing the magic eight ball is going to tell you what's going to happen and you know of course these people are going to try and prevent it that that's the way i see this going man you know but it could be fun you know if if it's done right it could be fun if they you know Fuck, man, Final Destination was fucking great. You know? <laughs> yeah, it was, but I mean, it's going to be an hour and a half of some people shaking a magic eight ball and just going, oh, man, what's it going to be? You die. Oh, no, it says we die. That, that's not good, right? That's probably not right. <laughs> it's just, yeah, I mean, it's like make a, make, a game, make a movie out of Battle of Monkeys. How about that? You know? <laughs> Throw a dart at the board out of it. I mean, they made a well, they made a movie out of Battleship. I mean, it's, it's okay. <laughs> Battleship <laughs> was trying to um, jump onto the uh, to the back of uh, fuck. What was that movie that came out to just before Battleship? Man, it was based on another fucking game. Man, Jumanji. Um, no, no, not no, 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 no. <laughs> I can't think of what it is right now. Um, you know, it'll come to me at like three o'clock in the morning, and I'm gonna be pissed. <laughs> like motherfucker, <laughs> sit up. I'm gonna start beating on my on my own junk and stuff. Um, well, we'll do that anyway. But you know, yeah, that's true. Uh, but, yeah, that that one got me yelled at. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, he's no, in trouble. No, please. Please, no. no. That's all I'm banging in. No. No more. Yeah. No more games. No. I just... I get why they would make a Ouija game, uh, movie. Because at least with Ouija, you could, like, summon demons and shit, so it kind of makes sense. Truth or dare, I mean, you could go evil with it in a way. But, like, Magic 8-Ball? Like, for a whole movie, you're just going to be focusing on a Magic 8-Ball. Why not just put it in the Conjuring movie? Want to have the Warren discover a haunted magic eight ball? I'm like, whoa, shit. 
Like, you know, and it's Haunted yeah. Rubik's Cube, man. There you, you know? go. Yeah. The great Haunted Rubik's Cube. They could put that into a, a, a uh, Hellraiser movie, you know? They could. Instead of the puzzle box, it's a Rubik's Cube. Mm-hmm. Right, but then does that mean does that mean the, the porn movie is going to sit there and do a Mr. Bucket movie where it's like, you know, put your balls in my mouth? So They had to have done that already. I can't believe they haven't done that already. I mean, there's a Lego porn out there, so they got to have a Mr. Bucket porn somewhere. Yeah, there's certain there's certain things I avoid, man. I have yet to see the Lego porn. I'm horrified enough by, like, the advertisements that show, like, you know, I don't know. Think you can handle beating off? You haven't tried this yet. And you see him like <laughs> Shrek pumping into fucking like donkey yep. or some shit. And it's like, we dare you not to come in like five seconds. And I'm just like, yeah, nope. <laughs> yeah, that's. And all that is Wood Rocket. Wood Rocket Productions is the one that releases all those parodies. It's like they're daring you. Like, I bet you can't jerk off to a Rugrats porno. Dare you. God, why? <laughs> I thought they were games. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what? Why? Why are we doing this? Like, they're supposed to be babies. Oh, look, it's SpongeBob porn because that makes sense. Thanks, Wood Rocket. Well, for making my boners confused. It's looking at your history and saying, man, we ain't never seen somebody bang their stepmom so many times. You know, you want to try your hand at, at puss in boots? <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, is that all you watch? Is stepmom and stepdaughters banging the boyfriend? Man, pick something else. There's other porn out there. <laughs> Jody West, did you get your hand stuck in the sink again? What the hell? <laughs> Come on, Margot Sullivan, stop having a broken leg. <laughs> Literally all the oh, Oh, safe box. God damn it, man. You stop massaging me when I'm watching porn. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Rachel Steele again. My dad last week after knowing him for three. <laughs> Thank God he's out of town again. So that gives us a loan time. <laughs> I said it was one where the chick was like. She's like, oh, I know I only married your dad a week ago, and I know I only met him a month ago. I'm just like, what the fuck? Wow, they're really giving you a timeline in that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Attention to detail. Like, you got married a week ago, met him a month ago. Anyway, you want to fuck? Hell yeah, I do. But I really want to help you with your problems. Meaning your boner. I love the ones where they, where they slip in daddy's boner med. Into the two. <laughs> oh my God! Like, All right. Well, you gotta take care of it like I let your father take care of it. You know. And then they bend over. They're reading a magazine or something while the dude's like going down on them. Like who? Oh, yeah. yeah. Way Lonnie Way does a lot of those. Where it's like, oh my God! I just gave my stepson a bunch of Viagra. What's gonna happen? Like, what? Why did you do that? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, horrible. Sometimes it happens. <laughs> but <clears throat> getting back to, to horror news, uh, after Magic 8-Ball and that wonderful movie that's probably going to be released within a year, um, about a week or so ago I messaged you guys via the messenger about the Friday 13th lawsuit, and it turned out that yeah. that was actually an old docket that Larry Zerner from Part 3 was referencing in his tweet. Well, there is new shit 
that just got released today about the Friday the 13th lawsuit and the further saga between Victor Miller and Sean S. Cunningham, where apparently they have reached the appeal state with Horror Inc., where essentially the appeal that was taken out but later reinstated, recently a mediation was taken part in May, no settlement was reached, and now apparently there's an appellate brief that's basically Sean S. Cunningham saying the court was wrong in awarding Victor Miller the rights to Friday the 13th, and it needs to be taken back to Horror Inc., because if you give it to Victor Miller, it could be devastating to the film community as a whole. Ugh. And that was a quote from Horror Inc. Representing oh. Sean S. Cunningham. Oh, man. <laughs> so pretty much mm-hmm. we're back to square one. Yep. Right back to it because now Sean S. Cunningham is saying that they were wrong and that if you award this to Victor Miller, it's going to do nothing but destroy the film industry as a whole. Because Friday Thirteenth is in the wrong hands. So okay, again, how very much childhood bullshit. The film industry as a whole. <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to get your guys' opinion about that because again, it's an ongoing saga. It's just continuous bullshit from both camps. But this just seems really petty on the part of Cunningham. You go at it, monkey. You go because you know what? I've said <laughs> a lot already tonight <laughs> about porn. <laughs> No, but it's as it continues, man. We're just getting this tired-ass bullshit. And it's just either one of them there and wants to claim that they're looking out for us, the horror fans, is they they would have come to an agreement a long time ago because right now the only people that are hurting are us who actually want this shit to actually be finished up, done with, so we can continue on with the franchise or whatever it's going to be. Even, even fucking video game updates, anything, man. But you're – but you're screwing over the people that you claim you're doing this for. Mm-hmm. And that, that's the thing that pisses me off. Yeah. I mean, it, it basically diminishes any chance of an early settlement being made, um, with Cunningham basically saying that he wants that ruling overturned in the district court. Um, but like you had said, Monkey, it's basically he's saying, I'm doing this for the fans. I'm doing this because if you give it to Victor Miller, it's just destroying the film industry. I don't agree. I don't think it's destroying anything. I think it's Cunningham and his ego that just needs to basically have that win so he can say, yeah, yeah, I won, Victor. You lose. I have it now. You have nothing. That's the way I take it. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck it. It's just, you know, let's just have it, you know, where every other weekend, you know, Cunningham gets Jason. During the (laughs) week, he gets Jason. They'll split holidays. It can be fine. You know. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, what do you have to say about this goal? I'll be honest. I'm fucking bored with it. You know what? Yep. I don't give a fuck anymore. You know, by the time they finally get this all settled out, it, you know what it you know what it really needs to do? It really needs to stop being news. That's what it really needs to do. They keep drumming this shit out. They keep putting every little bit of fucking piece out about it. You know why? To keep it in the fucking spotlight. To keep attention on it. Because otherwise, it's going to do what all lawsuits do. Which is just fade off to the background until something happens on one side or the other, man. You know what? Let it do that. Stop coming up with fucking bullshit that really doesn't go anywhere anyway. Just to give people hope or maybe not give people hope. Or you're going to make people despair. I know. Let's make a fucking petition. Just like everybody wants to petition the end of Game of Thrones because that's going to fucking do it. 
just, it's going to go where it's going to go, and five, six, seven, eight, ten, twenty fucking years from now, they're going to make a Friday the 13th movie or, or something. And you know what? If I'm lucky enough to still be alive at that point, I'm going to be like, yeah, I'm going to go to the movie theaters and watch that shit. If not, I have all the fucking Friday the 13th movies that have come out over all the years yep. that I can still enjoy. It's not like they're going away. And as far as the video game goes, listen, as a gamer, I'm sorry for the gamers out there that are losing out on any kind of updates for the Friday the 13th game. I'll be perfectly honest with you guys, though. Think about it. Did you really think there was ever going to be a time that you would be able to even play a Friday the 13th game that was somewhat good? You know, I don't nope. know. I remember the, the Nintendo one, and, you know, that was as much as I might have found enjoyment with it. It was pretty fucking terrible. So oh, the one that terrible. came out was a very serviceable and awesome game, a lot of fun. It's a shame there's no more updates. But if you're at least able to play it still, enjoy it while it's there, and then do what every other gamer does. Move on to something else. Mm-hmm. That's what we all should do is just move on. But it's going to be one of those things where I'm going to be paying attention to it, even though, like the Gulwood said, I kind of feel the same. I'm bored with it. So lost thing. I'm still paying attention. Whenever I see an update, I'm like, okay, well, what's happening now? You know, who's crying now? Is it Victor? Is it Sean? That's all it is, yeah. dude. That's how the government yeah. knows what you like, dude. This is how they send you advertisements about T-shirts that you didn't even know you wanted. Right? I've gotten those, <laughs> and I'm like, how do they know that I like Sleepaway Camp? Apparently somebody's been watching my viewership history. Dude, there was a fucking there was a shirt today that I saw, man. It said like Rock On or some shit like that. It's got Thanos. It's got the fucking Infinity Gauntlet doing the rock signs, and on the back is all the fucking the the people that survived the snap, but they're mm-hmm. all done in like a font that's something like you would see at a, like a rock festival or something. <laughs> well, they know you. They're watching. Like, what the fuck? They double hit me too, man, because shortly thereafter that, there was like another thing that popped up. I sent them both to, to the ghoul girl. Yeah, the, the other one was Groot, like sitting there with his headphones on, and it says, Sometimes I need to be alone and listen to Pink Floyd. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like perfect fucking shirts for me, man. Mm-hmm. That is great. Stop it, Mark Zuckerberg. Stop looking at my shit. <laughs> yeah. Stop selling me out to these fucking companies. I don't like it. <laughs> Um, it's not true. I do like right. it though. There were, yeah. And this uh, this next piece will actually tie in with the monkey, because the monkey actually watched Halloween 2018 over the weekend, and what came out today is J.B. Lee Curtis met up with Jason Blum in the Blumhouse Studios, and he had a picture up on his Twitter that says talking about stuff. Stop it. Just stop. I don't want you talking about stuff because I don't want another Halloween movie. Even though I'm going to be in the fucking theater when it comes out, I don't want another one. Please don't make another one. Because we saw 2018. It was okay. But don't make another one. Please, like, stop taking my money. I don't want you to have it for Halloween. Done. Over it. But going back to that, Monkey saw it. I wanted to get his thoughts uh, about it. Well, like you said, I mean, if we're going to sit there and have a quick discussion about Halloween 2018 – yeah, I saw it. Um, it wasn't an okay movie. I, I thought it had a really great setup for the movie to become, like, a badass fucking Halloween movie. It just, unfortunately, it just didn't deliver. It, it's like it was set up in so many ways to be an awesome, awesome movie. Um, they found ways to get around Loomis. They found ways to, to keep the storylines going. It was set up for success. 
and then in the last act, it just all went to shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think, Ghoul, you would kind of agree with that in a way, I think. Yeah, no, I mean, listen, man, you know, unfortunately, I, like I said, I, I own the movie. I think I've watched it once since I bought it, um, mm-hmm. you know, saw it in theaters. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was definitely one that uh, I felt deflated on its on its, its final act. Yeah, it was a pretty, uh, you know, it was an okay plot. I felt like there was just a lot of flaws. Um, and then we've talked about that on the show very briefly, like not a spoiler kind of uh, boilerplate stuff. But, yeah, yeah. Just, that ending was just kind of dull. And it didn't give me the final confrontation I wanted. This is supposed to be the no. movie where it's going to be the final confrontation. Michael and Lori, one last time. And it's really kind of not because we don't really even know if Michael's dead. You know, maybe he is, but he's also the shape. So who knows? And I just, I was so disappointed with that ending. I thought Laurie Strode should have died. And that would have made so much better of a move than what they did. Yeah, it's just. It's, you know what, it's, man? It's, 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 go ahead, go. No, you go, man. No, I was just going to say, if they had ended it, ended it properly, it would have been a thing of both of them going out. And we know for sure that both of them were done. Yeah, would have been the way to go. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I honestly don't think, you know, I mean, you in particular, King, you're a big, you know, a big uh, Halloween fan. I yeah. don't know yeah. if there really would have been any way that they could have satisfactory, you know, in a, in a satisfying way for you, finish that series off with that movie. It's, you know, it, it's one in which they've tried to give you these these final moments so many times now that it's mm-hmm. kind of it's just kind of silly, you know? And Michael coming back time and time again, you know, he's always risen in a way that is alive, you know? Unlike Jason Voorhees who, you know, essentially is a you know, a spirit demon at this point or whatever. You want to call him an undead, a zombie, whatever, man. The dude's been Frankenstein. He's been risen by lightning due to Tommy Jarvis and, you know, that's brought yep. him back time and time again. You know, the heart has been eaten. He's been fucking his dead sister or whatever she was i think it was his sister right yeah in uh yeah it was final friday that was his sister Aaron gray um yeah yeah, well you know he wiggled his wormy ass right up in that snatchola um that was that was not a reborn mask and all (laughs) come on man it's fun You know, no, we've watched him go to space. We've watched him be regenerated. We watched him get rebooted. Um, I, you know, I, I think Jason, the Jason films can work in that that regard. I think mm-hmm. Michael Myers, you know, because of the original pictures quality and the sincerity in that story and and everything that was so magical about it, you know, again, I would say I'd be completely satisfied if Halloween, the original Halloween only, was the only one ever made. Sequels be damned. Mm -hmm. And I will will kind of raise that in a way because I agree that if Halloween 1978 was the only one that we got, I would have been completely satisfied. But the fact that we got Halloween 2 in 1981 it's still a good film, but I love the fact that John Carpenter at least tried 
to put finality to it where Loomis and Michael are supposed both to die in the hospital, that to me was fine. Like you see the burning mask. It's like, okay, there's no way he's going to come back for another film. He's ash. Like, you know, he's literally been burnt to ash. Loomis died killing the monster that he wanted to kill in the first one. If they had ended it after part two, I would have thought that's perfect. You have a perfect one-two punch of a series. There's no reason to go back. And they did in 1988 and then 89 and then so forth in 95 and then 98 and 2002 and so on and so forth. But it wasn't necessary. It wasn't. And as as huge as a fan of Michael as I am, I could have had those two movies and been completely happy that those are the only two to watch. Well, speaking of franchises, do you want to sit there and talk about Child's Play or do you want to skip that and talk about Scary Stories games? Well, I do want to bring up Scary Stories because that was in my notes for tonight. Uh, the second trailer for Scary Stories is telling a dark drop. Uh, they included a lot more action with Harold, which oh, is one yeah. of my favorite stories, like I've said on the show numerous times. Uh, the spot where the spiders come out of the girl's face. Uh, they have another character uh-huh. named the Jangly Man that's going to be featured. Um, what I found most interesting, and this is what I wanted to bring up, is that Guillermo del Toro said this movie is going to be PG-13 and it's not going to feature any blood. I still think it's going to be a good movie. I still think it's going to be entertaining. I still think it's going to be a fun ride. I don't think that you need blood and an R rating to make it a fun movie. We've seen it in the past. PG-13 horror is kind of good if it's done in the right way. But I wanted to get uh, your opinion, Ghoul and Monkey, about it being rated PG-13 and not having any blood. Do you think that would distract you from seeing this film? Good. I'm sorry. Well, uh, I, you know what, man? Something caught my attention real quick. It was from like a Japanese wrestling thing in which a dude's doing a backflip off the top rope, lands feet first on the guy, and supposedly the headline says the dude died because you see like a spray of blood come out of his mouth. Oof. Like, internal bleeding type of deal. Yeah, it was it was one of those where you kind of couldn't take your eyes off of it. Um, now, what, what was, was the that question Japan? again? <laughs> uh, JWA, whatever the hell that is, man. Oh, okay. <laughs> Um, yeah, we were talking about Scary Stories Telling the Dark being rated PG-13 uh, Guillermo del Toro has said that there is not going to be Any blood of any kind in the movie They're just going to rely on the supernatural And kind of scary aspects of the stories To move the narrative I don't have a problem with it, I think that's fine Like I still, I still think it's going to be a good movie But I wanted to find out from you guys If you think that's important That they push an R rating, ah. that they have blood in it you know, I mean, like I've said before, I mean, I know you guys all read these things as kids. Mm-hmm. I actually didn't. Somehow I missed these. Um, so for me, I don't think it really is going to be a, a major factor on whether or not they are P, uh, PG-13 or not. I'll be perfectly honest. You know, I mean, if these were things that you read from the ages of, let's say, 8 to 12, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I would almost say you're probably better off even – Dulling it down just a little bit more and maybe targeting the audience of the original book series, you know, or at least their, their age range and go for a PG rating. Give us something like they used to do back in the 80s where you might be able to actually get a bit of a scare, but without having all the gore and all of that stuff. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, that it should be kind of directed at kids, but also to people like the monkey and myself who read those books as a nice throwback. So, monkey, uh, what do you think about that? The rating and no blood. Yeah, but I've, you know, we've seen movies where this totally works. You know, we've covered movies where this works, you know, where there's, you know, literally one drop of blood in the entire movie. You know, it can work. You don't need blood. All, you know, 
you need great effects. You need a great story, and you need a cast that's going to be able to pull this off. You know, but it's got to be a really great story. And but it's like you know, so I definitely think it works. You know, I think we're all in agreement there. Um, but I was watching the trailer earlier today, and the trailer looks solid as fuck. Uh, it looks fun, like you said. Yeah. It shows way more now in the second trailer. But mm-hmm. you know, like you and I were talking about last night. You know, I'm just hoping they're not showing all the greatest hits of this entire movie in these yeah. trailers. You know, because uh, what what are we looking at for a release date for this thing? Um, uh, summer. So I think uh, August, I think is the release date. All right, so we still got two months to go. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Here we go, August ninth. All right, so yeah, we still got two months to go before we can, you know, even even get to a release here. And it's just, I'm just hoping they don't blow their wad on trailers and still leave it out there. But, but we're we're also seeing more. I saw that it's, um, and I read that it's supposed to take place in the '60s now. You know, yeah, so that's been established. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, so so I'm liking the throwback there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, I'm I'm liking the feel there, and yeah, I I think this is def- definitely definitely able to work, and I just hope they've got the story to back it up. Yeah, um, and I think they do. I think that it's in good hands with Andre Overdahl, um, with Guillermo del Toro producing. I think it's in good hands. I think that they know material. They know when it works and knows what doesn't. Um, I'm looking forward to it either way. Um, but the one thing I wanted to bring up before we close out, because I want to get to the movie, um, is Gary Doberman, who wrote the It reboot, was also attached to the Are You Afraid of the Dark film that was supposed to be coming out later this year for an October release. We had previously mentioned that it got pulled from Paramount's filming schedule, and there was right. no real update as to why. just got pulled. No reason given. Well, Gary Doberman did an interview this week where he said that he's out, too. He is out of the project. He is no longer writing the script for Are You Afraid of the Dark? Wishes the people luck, but he just said that his vision deferred from the vision of the filmmakers, and he just decided to pull out. So I think at this point, it's a dead project. I don't think there really is any salvation for the Are You Afraid of the Dark film. I think it's pretty much just going to be shelved and just probably never talked about again. But do you think that they could resurrect it with another writer and hopefully get it back on the shooting schedule? Well, again, we're talking about another Nickelodeon project, you know, that's slash Paramount, you know, with this thing. And unfortunately, Nickelodeon has been like, you know, and Paramount have been like, you know, really shady sometimes when it comes to just finally releasing a project. Just because they're looking for anything to throw in their theme park. Because they got Mm -hmm. nothing in there right now. You know, right. like, you know, fuck, man. They, they got, like, Snoopy characters in there because they, they got no other licenses. <laughs> but, but um, yeah, it's just I, I'm finding it sad that they're not able to make this work, man. It's like, you know, for the kids that grew up in the 90s, I think this would have been a really great throwback for them. I was excited for it because I grew up in the 90s, and Are You Afraid of the Dark was one of my favorite series. I loved it. It was it was kid-friendly horror on at 9 o'clock at night on Saturday, and I watched every episode. I had every episode on DVD that was never officially released. I got a bootleg of it. So I'm a huge fan of it. I was excited for this movie, but now it seems like it's just it's dead, and people are moving on. Mm-hmm. But like I said, Ghoul, do you think that it could be resurrected somehow? Do you think that somebody could step in and say, you know what, this movie needs to be made, and, and let's do it? 
I mean, listen, anything <laughs> can be done. I mean, you know, we've said this a thousand times. It always, I, I, I hate to repeat myself with this kind of stuff, but we do. We say this every time. It mm-hmm. always comes down to just having the right passion for the project, the right writers for it, somebody coming up with the right stories, and, you know, obviously finances. You know, so mm-hmm. when it comes down to the companies, you know, are, are they going to be willing to fund it? That's that's always the bigger the bigger thing. Yeah, that's I think that's what it comes down to too, um, because there has been, like I said, no reason given as to why Paramount decided to take it off the shooting schedule, other than like the goal I just said, maybe it didn't get enough financing, maybe there just wasn't enough to have them continue try to get this movie into filming into production. Uh, Gary Doberman backing out. That's another big deal. Um, but I think maybe along the way, you know, they'll raise some kind of ire and it'll get made. I know that there's supposed to be um, a mini series released later this year, Are You Afraid of the Dark, on the new Nickelodeon channel that was supposed to tie into the movie. Supposedly that's still moving forward. That's still going to happen. But the movie isn't. So maybe with the show, it'll raise some eyebrows and maybe somebody will say, you know what, mm. let's get that project off the ground. Yeah. You know, there is an audience for this. And while they're at it, they can bring back salute your shorts. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I want to go back to Camp no. Iwana. No, you want them to bring um, back Pete, motherfucker. We all know you want to bring yeah, back this Pete. Is... Pete. <laughs> all the wilding, man. Monkey, you, you. I'm surprised that you know these things, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, more along my age, like all that stuff was like definitely kiddie stuff. When I was that age, man, you know, like when those things were adding, like I, I never watched Salute Shorts, you know, that was that was stuff for like the the kids that were younger than me, you know. That's what I watched. I watched Salute Shorts and Hey Dude and you know, Pete and Pete. Yeah, I watched all of it, and I ate it up. And Salute Shorts had the best horror episode ever with Zeke the Plumber. Seven year differential, so that makes sense, you know. Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, but you know, we'll see what happens with that project. Um, I like the Mickey Mouse. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Kids Incorporated. How about that? I think that was around. I did. I, you know what? I enjoy, I enjoyed Kids Incorporated. Okay, man, with AC Slater on the drums, with Stacy Ferguson. You know, otherwise known as Ferguson oh, yeah. from the Black Eyed Peas, dancing around and singing a cute little blonde ass off. Man, I was totally crushing on that shit when I was a kid. And yeah, speaking of crushing on, on things when I was a kid, man, you know what they're bringing back? What's that? Punky Brewster. Really? They are talking about bringing back Punky Brewster, man. I'd watch that. That should be uh, fascinating. Soleil Moon. (laughs) That was one of my first crushes, man. I remember cutting her picture out from like a magazine or something. I had to have been like seven years old, eight years old. I cut her picture out from a magazine and I put it in a picture frame, man. I was like, that's my girlfriend, bitches. Wow. (laughs) You were all in with Punky. Mm. I yeah. totally was, man. Punky fucking well, he, power. He was, well, he was he was all about the actual show, and then he was all about the cartoon on Saturdays, where she had that mm. fucking no, that. <laughs> no, I was okay with the whole that the, the wrestler guy that used to fly around and talk like this on a time. I don't even remember his name. That fucking thing was annoying, man. I hated that cartoon. Mm. <laughs> but again, Punky Brewster is another one of those shows that also had a horrifying episode when I was a kid about Punky learning about Indian legends in the woods, and all of her friends die. And she has to find a way to bring them back. It's a fucking horrifying episode. And if I could find it on YouTube, I'll have to link it to you guys. But yeah, 
watching it now, I'm like, how the fuck did we make it through that episode as kids? That's like nightmare fuel. Well, you know what it is too, though. Actually, NBC, you know, that might not have been a Punky Brewster episode. That might it not have been one of those NBC Kids episodes. They used to you like know? to take all the kids from their shows and put them all together. I remember specifically they did that with Christmas, and I think they did it with Halloween as well. Yeah, that could be it. But I am almost a hundred percent certain that was a standalone Punky Brewster episode. It was actually a two-parter. Okay. Yeah. If I remember correct. So, like I said, I'll have to find it on YouTube and link you guys later. So, not just one, um, but two parts. But, yeah, two <laughs> parts, because they had to, because it was such a deep episode. But going from crushes like Punky Brewster to another scream queen in her own right, Lene Quigley, who is a star of Return of the Living Dead, which is also the Mad Monkeys pick for tonight. Take He's it away, right. Monkey. We're going back to 1985, uh, Daniel Bannon classic. Kick it off. Yes, we are. Okay, The Return of the Living Dead is a story about a local punk rock kid who's straightening out his life and gets a job at the Unita Medical Supply Warehouse. There's only one problem. In the basement of this warehouse lies an old, dark, mysterious military secret that has long been forgotten by time. And when that secret is released, the hell itself is unleashed on an unsuspecting Louisville, Kentucky, when the hungry dead roam the earth. And the only thing that will satisfy their hunger is brains. <laughs> now, for what I thought of this, I'm going to be scrambling around on this episode as I try to get my horror card back because this is my very first viewing of this film. And while I found the, the effects were both a mix of pretty bad to pre- pretty fucking awesome, I thought this movie was a really fun one. I can't, like, now I can see why this movie is a fucking classic. Uh, I mean, you take Repo Man and you take Night of the Living Dead, you throw away the zombie rules, mash all that shit up, and this is what you get here. This this movie, yeah, is definitely a, a horror classic. <laughs> yeah, your first viewing. You finally broke your cherry in The Return of the Living Dead. I was impressed. I mean, to me, that's a classic. <laughs> it's hard to miss. Yeah, it's just one of those ones that, like, I just always miss. So... Cool. What do you think of this movie? Well, I mean, for starters, man, I will never film shame you. You know, I mean, that's just, that's horrible, man. It really is. Like, you know how many movies are out there that, like, I have a list you know, that is like an unofficial list of so many classic films. Shit. I own a whole bunch of them. They're in my fucking movie catalog on my Xbox, and I still haven't watched them. I've bought them. I've paid for them multiple, you know, multiple times in some cases. Um, you know, I mean, this is, this is one of those, I'm glad that you finally got to see it. You know, I, I had a discussion with the doc when you you initially had announced the pick, you know, and the one thing I was bummed out about, I'm always bummed when we have two large movies um, back-to-back, so being that we did Nightmare on Elm Street last week, you know, going into something as big as, as, as this, you know, Return of the Living Dead this week was like, oh, shit, man, it's like a double whammy, we're really hitting two freaking major films in that one shot, and, you know, the doc was of the of the mind that he didn't consider Return of the Living Dead to be that big of a film, um, and while I can say that maybe it didn't hit the same levels of overall popularity that Freddy Krueger went on to, to, to get, you know, and, and how Nightmare on Elm Street went on amongst just the regular pop culture, you know, hitting people in their homes and everywhere else. Um, you know, Return of the Living Dead might not have done that with that those people, but amongst the horror community itself, 
this is right up there with those movies. You know, this is right up there with Nightmare on Elm Street. This is, you know, this is this is the definition of a cult classic type of film. I remember catching this movie at a very young age when I was really just getting into horror. I might have seen Poltergeist. I might have seen Friday the 13th Part 4. Um, I might have seen Friday the 13th Part 5. I don't even think I saw Night of the Living Dead. I do know I saw at least chunks of, uh, get it, chunks of Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> oh. um, specifically because I remember the guy getting ripped apart with the, his arm in the blood pressure machine. Um, and those things horrified me for the rest of my life as a kid. I'd walk into the pharmacy and see those fucking things there and be like, I'm not going to get my blood pressure taken because the zombie's going to rip me apart. Um, but I know that this has to have been in like that first, if not 10 horror movies I've ever seen. It's within the first 20 that I'd ever seen. And this was so much fun. It was fucking out there as a kid. It was scary. And there were a lot of things that I really just, I didn't grasp. I didn't get, I didn't understand. You know, for me, I just looked at them and I was like, these people are in a real shitty situation. I felt bad, bad for Freddie. And I felt bad for, for Frank, you know, for all the shit that they were going through. Um, you know, Bert was a dick. And, you know, Ernie was, like, weird and kooky. You know, I go back to it now as an adult, and I still have so much fun with this movie. Yeah. It is still just so silly, so entertaining, but the characters have all taken on, like, these, these, newer, these newer personalities and these newer flavors. Ernie especially. What an interesting character that I, you know, I've re- I, I read up on some backstop for him, man. He really was supposed to go in a totally another direction that uh, I guess they just didn't want to do. But yes, I yeah, love Nazi war criminal. Thank you, Monkey. It's always fun to watch. Yeah, it is. It's uh, and yeah, to resound what the ghoul said, I you know I can't film shame you on this one. Um, I'm just glad that you watched it because I'm a huge fan of Return of the Living Dead. Uh, the ghoul actually bought for my birthday a couple years ago a Tarman that I have proudly on my shelf. The monkey has seen it. One of my favorite. That figures. was the first birthday gift I ever got for you. That was it. Okay, so that was the first one. Okay, but yeah, it's still on my shelf to this day, right alongside Norman Bates, the other one that you got me. Uh, and no, Terry it's Funk. a great sculpt. <laughs> it is. It's such a great sculpt. It's a great uh, character in the film all in of itself. But yeah, Return of the Living Dead, um, it was a rental for me back when I was in middle school. I had seen the cover art VHS, and it was so fucking weird because it was like punk rock zombies. And they had these two punk rock zombies standing in front of a grave, and another zombie spray painting the Return of the Living Dead on a grave. And it said, they're back from the dead and ready to party. And I was like, okay, this is fucking cool. Like, like <laughs> it's not a serious Romero movie. You know, maybe there's not going to be social commentary like Romero is known for. And, yeah, it was just such a fun ride because you have a great punk rock soundtrack with 45 Grave and The Cramps and SQQ and TSOL. Um, the Dam. It was like a – Yeah. It was a different ride. Know, it was, you, you say all those names, I feel like I should just be doing gang signs after you, after you say them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but they were uh, great punk rock groups, you know, back in the 80s. And to have that soundtrack and to have it be a bunch of punks, uh, you know, in Louisville, Kentucky in 1985. I mean, it's 84 in the movie, 85 film got Um But I remember especially watching James Karen, the late James Karen, playing Frank I remember him from the Pathmark commercials because, Ghoul, you grew up, you know, in Jersey just like I did. That was the face of Pathmark. 
back when I was growing up. And I remember watching those commercials and going, oh, my God, this guy from Return of the Living Dead. <laughs> that might have been, you know, again, man, I moved into Jersey 1990, 91, somewhere in that. But, well, my sisters were born in 92. So it had to have been uh, 1990. I don't know. Were those commercials airing at that time? I, I don't remember. Yeah, they were. Yeah, because I was, yeah. I mean, I remember them being on TV when I was a little kid. So I, this had to be mm-hmm. early 90s. Mm. That they were replaying mm. old James Car- mm. Karen mm. Pathmark commercials talking mm. about the meat specials, mm. you know, on Saturday. Mm. So, yeah. Uh, the meat specials, uh, you know, what the meat specials I remember at that age were a lot different. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. But, 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 yeah, you talk about how this movie is, like, so kooky and zany and it's so different from a Romero movie. But it's, like a Mel Brooks movie, is like, doing my research, found out, like, this movie was, so serious about making a movie that was like they weren't taking themselves seriously, right. but yeah. you know they they were really serious about getting this right. <laughs> they weren't trying to make Airplane; they were just trying to make a movie with comedic elements in it, and it worked. Um, right from the back. Well, I mean, meet, John Russo's uh, original draft, you know, what he originally wrote, it was dark. Was much darker and more serious than what you know, Dan O'Bannon and, and company ended up doing, so. Yeah, and that's why he still gets kind of credit for Return of the Living Dead, but his script wasn't the one that they used. Uh, O'Bannon was the one that kind of created the comedic elements to it, took out a lot of the dark elements, uh, and that's what we get. And I think that's a huge improvement, because I've read the actual story that John Russo wrote, Return of the Living Dead, and it is just a bleak, depressing uh, story. And I much prefer this version because it's fun. You know, it's kind of, it has dark elements to it, but it's also kind of has a lot of levity to it, where you could have a laugh or two, mm. you know, during the movie. Right. Well, they did a really good job of like balancing all the things that are going bad, you know, j- just making you have a feeling of just, oh fuck. But at the same time, it didn't drag you down the entire time. You were having a mm-hmm. fun time while shit was going bad. <laughs> Right, and I like when you get introduced to Freddie, played by Tom Matthews, who also went on to play Tommy Jarvis in Friday 13th Part 6, and Frank, played by James Karen, at the You Need a Medical Supply. The, Frank brings up the fact that Night of the Living Dead was a true story. Like, I love that line in the movie where he's like, well, yeah, it, was, it really happened, but you know how it is with Daryl Chemical. They have to change the story. That filmmaker had to fudge a couple things, but it actually happened. Like, and it's like, okay, I kind of like the fact that they're bringing it into the real world where Night of the Living Dead actually happened and the government covered it up. And now there's these canisters of Trioxin 245, and they happen to have one in the basement. You want to check it out? And like, Hell yeah, I do. Like, of course. <laughs> Who wouldn't want to see one of these fucking things? And you have this canister, which is an impressive effect, where you have a zombie in the canister of Trioxin 245. And the Department of Military on the side printed on there. And James Cameron goes, oh, man, these are military grade. No way these are going to leak. And, of course, it does because he hits it accidentally and it leaks all over the place, kind of kicking off what becomes of Freddy and Frank. Right, but immediately right off the bat, we get some amazing effects of the reverse melt that was being filmed in the canister Mm -hmm. um, of, you know, 
They had the skull. They had the reverse of all the heat. And then it just shatters in front of the camera. And the fact that that was all an accident was never meant, meant to happen about it shattering, you know, just adds to, to the movie and just how far they were willing to go for the effects in this movie. It was great, you know, and it was a great way to kick off the movie. Um, you have the juxtaposition of the characters that we see in the film, the punks. Of uh, You have Scuzz, Chuck, Casey, Tina, Spider, Trash, and Suicide. And they're all kind of very different. Like, Chuck, he doesn't seem like he should be a part of this group because he's very modish, you know, just wearing a suit and tie, yeah. just wants to fuck the shit out of Casey. She wants nothing to do with him. But he's there because they, they just like hanging out with him for some reason. But all of them worked in their own separate ways as characters. I'm a huge fan of Suicide just because he was the funniest one, I think, out of the bunch. Like the ghoul had said earlier, you think this is a fucking costume? It's a way of life. Dude, he was so fucking intense, dude. And what's great is, is that's that's also another Friday the Thirteenth alum, dude. That's Vic, man. Yes, it is. Vic Fadden from Friday the Thirteenth Part Five. Yeah, indeed. And uh, and we also have Miguel Nunez in there, who was in Friday the Thirteenth Part uh, Five as well as Demon. You know, that's Reggie the Reckless's uh, older brother. Um, it's a huge Friday the Thirteenth alum when you watch it. And Tom Atkins in Part Six. His, inten- his intensity, his line delivery, everything about that character is just fucking hilarious, man. Like, he seriously <laughs> makes me laugh. Like, I just, I, I can't, all- like, have a straight face whenever he's on screen. Um, <laughs> and as Chuck goes, you know, Chuck is also an actor that I do know. And, like, this is one of those cases really? in which, like, you know, I love going back and seeing these people and being like, oh, my God. Like, look, this is... He played a character named Turtle in a surfing movie called North Shore from, okay. I want to say, it had to have been like the late 80s, early 90s, man. Um, and he also ends up being in another surfing movie, a little bit more well-known one, called Point Break. He is one of the, the, uh, the, the robbers, dude. He's Nathaniel. Whoa. Okay, I did not realize that. Now I have to go back and watch Point Break because I he love one that of the movie. Presidents. Wow. Now I have to watch that again because I didn't realize that. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, well, and I like them here. <laughs> yeah, Monkey, go ahead. I was just gonna like, yeah, I was just going to backpedal and say what made Suicide so much fun, though, is like for King and I, who grew up in the punk rock scene, we knew mm-hmm. people like that, that were actually oh like yep. that. You know, where, you know, it's, you know, yeah, it's a lifestyle. It's, you know, the thing, you know, no one's going to understand them, you know, because they were just so to themselves. <laughs> and it's just going back, and it's like I was looking at, you know, some of myself there. It's like, you know, skinny-ass little 100-pound <laughs> wannabe punk rock monkey. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> and I love the it's fact that uh, – I would probably yeah, piss yeah. a lot of people off right now, man. But, you know, like I, I kind of – again, I, I grew up throughout the 80s in New York and whatnot, I think at that point, you know, punk was kind of starting to really be on the fade. Um, it's yep. like, you know, for my, for my age at that point, you know. So when I look at, like, punk, I kind of also see, uh, like, KISS fans. You know, like, it just all kind of combines together, <laughs> man. Mm-hmm. Um, but also you have Scuzz, who's one of the friends, as a mohawk, and when they're walking to meet Freddie because he's working at the United Medical Supply, he goes, Freddie got a job? What a dick. <laughs> mm. <laughs> That's a great line. It's all about the anti-establishment, man. 
Yeah. Like, how yeah. dare he get a fucking job and make money? <laughs> like, this guy sucks. Why are we hanging out with him again? But then you have <laughs> Tina played by Beverly Randolph, who also, it's kind of like Chuck, where it's like, how do you fit in? Because you're so innocent. You're so nice and sweet. Like, you know, you're hanging out with trash and suicide. Like, you know, you don't really fit into this group. But it, uh, it worked somehow. I felt like Freddie started dating her. Um, and that Freddie got a job. Like, you know, I don't know. I guess I started building my own backstory to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, the, the, the reason why Freddie got the job was because he was dating her. And, you know, she is a, a square, so to say. You know, Beverly Randolph was so cute in this movie, man. She oh, was yeah. uh, such a little yeah. hottie at the time. Um, still a very pretty, you know, older woman. But, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. She's so, so cute at that point, man. Um, sorry. Did I say she was cute? Uh, she was definitely the one that I was I was crushing on, even though Linnea Quigley was the one that took her, her clothes off. I don't know, man. She just uh, – trash just kind of grossed me out. I'm she sure did. she was supposed to, you know? Yeah, she did take her clothes off, and that was the whole highlight of that one scene where they're in the cemetery where trash is yep. talking about how she has that dream of how she wants to be killed. And, of course, Spider's like, I don't fucking fantasize about death at all. She's like, I do. I just imagine a bunch of old men – and they're clawing at me, and they're eating my flesh. And she's like, "Time to get sexy," and just starts stripping off all her clothes. Well, trash is getting naked again. In the background, you hear, yeah, exactly. In the background, you hear one of them say, "Oh, trash, get the lights. Trash is getting <laughs> yeah. her clothes off again." <laughs> yep, and they all just dance around her as she's on top of this grave, stripping off her clothes, which leads to the fucking classic pod piece, uh, uh, cod piece that they put on her vagina because they couldn't yeah. show it in the movie. So she works like a Barbie doll. <laughs> well, well, I guess what? The story goes that originally that her pubes were showing, and they, they, the producer or whatever yep. came in and was like, you can't show that. And so <laughs> yeah. they had her shave, and you could see more. So they were like, you definitely can't show that. And they, had, uh, they had a, a fake Barbie doll-looking thing like attached to that area. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, they and were, it kind of works, were, though, in the movie. Like, you don't really notice it. It's, like, not glaring where you're like, oh, like, that's stupid. Like, it just... When I was a kid, scene. man, I thought that was the first time I'd ever seen a shaved vagina. I had no fucking <laughs> idea that thing was fake, man. No. But it, it worked for the scene at the time, and it's still a fun scene. The SQQ song, you know, Dance Toward Dead, like, playing in the background. I mean, it's, it's a fun song for that particular scene. That plays back again. When Trash comes back after being mauled by the zombies, that's kind of like her theme now, you know, as a, a zombie. Um, but we cut back to you need a medical supply, and Frank yeah, it was and like Freddy wake up. Hits, dude. The 80s were great, you know. I saw it like as a mm-hmm. kid. I was like, I saw a zombie pussy and a fucking pair of duct tits. All by 1986. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't I even was fucking 10 yet. <laughs> yeah. But we cut back to you need a medical supply, and Frank and Freddie wake up, and they're coughing, and just, you know, they need some water. They need to figure out what the fuck just happened. And they go into the actual warehouse, and they hear a dog barking. They're like, what the fuck is that? Is a dog? Like... <laughs> and they find the dog laying on the floor, and they're like, what is that? And they flip it over, and it's the bisected dog. And you can see the innards. And they immediately Move, start moving. beating it. And you just, rawr, rawr, rawr. Like, you know. It's like, oh, I felt man. so bad for that thing. I know, right? Like, the poor dog doesn't know what the fuck is happening. It's alive. <laughs> you know, it's in half. And they're beating it. Right. But it's crying. But at the same time, it's, it's, That's the problem. Yeah, the crying. Yeah. yeah. 
but but the other, other other dead things that are also in the warehouse start coming to life as well. Like we like have butterflies. a panel of yeah, like we have a panel of butterflies, you know. But then we also have a fresh cadaver that's been locked away in the meat locker. Uh, <laughs> so this is also where this this movie kind of gets a little bit on the weird side, you know, because mm-hmm. like you know we had earlier. We have the explanation that the skeletons, you know, because we get them ordered in their male and female counterparts and whether or not they have perfect teeth. Um, mm-hmm. but we do also find out that the skeletons come from India, that they make a, yeah. a you know, they, they particularly make sure to mention that. And I think that's the reason why they don't come to life. You know, everything else that was dead in that, that area was supposedly coming back to life, yet those skeletons never reanimate. And if I remember right, there was like some kind of thing back in the 80s where supposedly we were getting, you know, medical schools were getting skeletons from India, and they turned out that yeah. they were fake. Well, that also harkens back to Poltergeist, where Toby Hooper used actual skeletons for the pool sequence that were from mm-hmm. India. Yeah, and yeah, they were so, from India. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a true thing. thing. <laughs> but that also kind of loses its leg, though, with the skeletons not being able to come back to life because once everything starts to happen, we get a look of a skeleton coming out of a grave. Mm-hmm. Opening its jaw. Yeah. You know, so it's a weird kind of thing where it's like, do they come back or not? I guess if they're in the ground, they come back. But, yeah, I mean, it, it kicks off the great, you know, uh, Maybe because they were in time. bags, but that doesn't Maybe. make sense. The cadaver was in a bag. Mm. That could be it too. Um, but we have a Frank calling Bert, and I love that phone call that he makes to Bert when things are fucking going to shit. Hey, Bert, oh, we got a problem down here. You might want to come back and figure this out. And he's like, Oh, okay, I'll be down there in a second. I, I like Bert, even though he's a dick. It's also played by Clue Gulliger, who I loved in Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2. Freddy's Revenge as a dad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's so good in that one, and he's so good in this one. Yeah, it's funny. When I was a kid, you know, I don't know. I guess because of the whole age and everything. Like, I had never seen the name Clue before. Mm-hmm. I had always assumed that Tom Matthews was actually Clue Gallagher. Um <laughs> because he got such a because Clue Gallagher got such a high billing in the in the thing oh, yeah. that like you know I like I just felt like it was Freddie's movie not his you know. Mhm. But I also like uh, how the monkey had said they kind of break the rules with Romero uh, in this movie, and it, you get it with the corpse that we've been talking about that breaks out of you know the storage that it's in. <laughs> the cadaver. And. They get it down into the ground, they have a pickaxe, and they bury it into the skull. And it's still moving around. Bury it. And he's like, so oh, didn't it work God, in the movie? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. The movie, the movie lied? lied? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they end up cutting the head completely off, which leads to the body jumping up and running around in the warehouse. And it's, just, it's an Evil Dead 2 Funny scene. I still love it to this day. Just completely over the top, and it's so funny seeing this it's body terrible, running around. It's a terrible bodysuit, but you know what? It yes, doesn't it matter. You know, there's points that you see it moving around, and you can just clearly see that it's like, you know, a jumpsuit of some sort. 
And whatever, man. It is just so much fun to watch this whole entire thing go down. Their reaction, uh, reaction, James Aaron's reaction to the whole situation. Oh my god, fucking perfect, man. <laughs> oh god, oh jeez, oh god. <laughs> you know, he's freaking out and crying throughout this entire sequence. They managed to dissect this thing, and it's still moving around. The arms, the legs, the torso, the head, still moving around. They have to figure out a way to destroy this thing. So they're going to take it to the mortuary across the street where Ernie's working and hopefully get him convinced to put it into the incinerator so they could just destroy it completely. They're going to tell him that it's uh, rabid weasels and they have to eliminate these things. But I love how James Karen as Frank is like, can you trust the bastard? It's like, geez, Frank, calm down. <laughs> well, that's the thing, though. You know what I mean? Because again, I mean, we get uh, you know, Burke talking about how he's known him for twenty something years, and you know, he figures that okay, maybe he'll do it for him and whatnot. Um, but I think that the whole do you think we can trust him thing falls from the original idea that he was going to be an escaped Nazi that was mm-hmm. in hiding, yeah. working as this mortuary guy. They play up to that. They don't really call it out, but the hints are there in the background. He has a picture of Hitler. Yeah. He's got a picture of Eva Braun. He's listening to dramatic march music when we first get introduced oh, to him. He no, even has the one specific. line, like the Ein Dot Soldat or whatever it is. Yeah. You know, which is like the one lonely yeah. soldier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, know, and, and he, and, plus and, he carries the Luger. <laughs> and he carries the Luger. <laughs> <laughs> It's like they're basically telling you that he's a war criminal, but they're just kind of skating over it. <laughs> Draw your own conclusions about Ernie. I love Don Kalpa in this movie, like the, the, the ghoul had said. He's such a great character. Yeah. He's got those eyes that are very much like Peter Laurie, where it's like you oh, can't yeah. stop yeah. looking at him when he's on screen. Uh, he looks like a real-life Muppet. You know, like he's just got like a weird, bizarre look, and it's funny too because this is Bert and Bert and Ernie, but uh, not intentional. You know, this wasn't something no, that was uh, was intended. It just ended up happening that way, and you know, uh, that's just I thought that was funny. You know, because they kind of, in a way, they yeah. kind of felt like Bert and Ernie in a weird sort yeah. of way. You know, they did. Um, but what's great is that they try to say that it's rabid weasels. But they eventually say, we can't lie to you anymore. We have to show you what it is. And they take the arm out of the bag, and it's still moving, and it rips off part of his pants. <laughs> so Ernie's like, the fuck? Like, uh, I guess well, we have to again, incinerate like, it. I love how Ernie plays so much of this line stuff with, like, almost like a a giggle behind everything that he's saying. But, like, when they first yeah. say that they, they, wa- they want to burn the rabid weasels, he's like, that's <laughs> cruel. But he says yeah. it with, like, almost a laugh underneath yeah. it. Like, yeah. it's so preposterous yeah. that they're bringing this up yeah. that it's funny, yeah. but it's really not, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, but then he even had, you know, he's saying it's so cool. He's like, well, at least let me take him outside and shoot him first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I get that. He doesn't want to burn them alive. I mean, that's fine. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Rather just put him out of the misery and shoot him in the head. I remember as a kid, you know, like uh, me and a friend of mine had uh you know, this friend in particular had a bunch of groundhog traps set up around his property. Yeah, he had a farm. Um, 
And the one morning we were like checking out all the traps to, you know, to see if any had caught anything. And he had a raccoon in the one trap. And unfortunately, you know, the raccoon's arm was, was pretty bad off. Um, to the point where, you know, there was, there was bone sticking out on mm-hmm. flesh and whatnot. Um, and I remember, gra- you know, he grabbed a, uh, you know, a small gun. And it was at that point that I realized how hard a skull could be. Um, because this, he shot this fucking thing square in the middle of the forehead. And, you know, at the same time, I was like completely horrified. And, you know, unfortunately we did laugh as well, but this thing lodged itself right in the middle of this, this raccoon's forehead. So now he looked like an Indian raccoon, you know, like mm. an India Indian, you know, because he had a dot in the middle of his head and horrified because this thing looked at us like he, if he got out of that fucking trap, he was going to fucking kill us because we just put a fucking small bullet, like a small slug right in the middle of his forehead and it didn't penetrate. It didn't kill him. You know, it just looked angry at us and we went to go get his shotgun and we came back and the fucking thing had chewed the rest of its arm off and left. And yeah, I, uh, uh, yeah, walking around that area was kind of bad for a little while. You know, every little fucking thing you just automatically figured was the fucking ghost of the raccoon. <laughs> but in the movie, it wends to the kind of breaking of the Romero rules where they incinerate the body of the cadaver, and that's really the only way that you can destroy these zombies. You can't shoot them in the head well, like in Romero films. You have to incinerate them. So... You incinerate it, but at the same time, you don't realize that the vapors from the body are going to go up into the sky and create acid rain, which is going to come down and resurrect all the people that are buried in the cemetery that you're partying in. <laughs> oh, it and just keeps getting better and better. <laughs> it just, yeah, it gets better and better and worse and worse for these people. Um, but you also have what was in the canister, which is Tarman, who is not in the canister anymore, and they think that it melted. You know, after the cancer opened, they're like, well, the body must have just melted. No, Tarman's fine. He's in the basement. <laughs> just biding his time until just, people come down so he can eat their brains. Just chilling, dude. Just waiting for Tina. Yeah, which is great because once the acid rain starts dropping down, all the teens are like, we've got to get the fuck out of here. This rain is burning us. We need to fucking get in the car. The roof's leaking. What the fuck are we going to do? Like, it's all panic mode at this point. But what the fuck is that noise? Like, do you hear that? And you just hear a bunch of screaming, all these zombies pounding on their coffins to get out and to climb out of the ground. I mean, it's such a great moment in the movie when you start seeing all these zombies climb out of their graves to basically take over. Rise from your grave. (laughs) Unfortunately, it was a good scene, but it was also a bad scene because this is where the effects were not so great. Because while we had some of uh, some effects that were actually solid of people coming out of the graves, we had the the one cheesy skeleton coming out of the grave. We also had a lot of extra cast members that were just coming out of the grave with just mud thrown on their faces. Yeah, it's it's clear, and you can see it. <laughs> you know, but it didn't take me out of the movie though. Like I was still having fun. Like I was still enjoying this invasion of zombies coming out of the ground. 
Um, Listen, man, which, that's what low-budget filmmaking's all about. Sometimes, sometimes you yeah. gotta work with what you got. You know, you don't got enough. You know, you you don't want to have to hire and feed all those extras. You need more bodies out there. Slap some shit on you. You know, here's some Vaseline. Do you want a little bit of Cool Glide? Yeah, fucking mouth. Uh, and while <laughs> while the they're coming out of their graves, Tina has gone across the street to you need a medical supply to find out why Freddie's taking so long. And yep. wants to meet up with him. And when she gets in there, they're gone because they're in the mortuary. But who's the greeter? But Tarman, played by Alan Troutman, which is a great guy who's a puppeteer for Jim Henson. And his movements were fucking fantastic. The way that he moved his body and his arms and his legs. It's like, you know, it's like, yeah, I love this guy. <laughs> yeah. Like, you got As a kid, man, this thing freaked me out. It was mm-hmm. fucking weird. You know, the way he moved, everything about him, he was just creepy, and he just seemed, he seemed like Jason Voorhees indestructible type, you know? And he's also super intelligent, because when she's hiding in the closet, he knows to wrap a chain around the handles on the closet and start cranking it, so it'll tear the fucking doors off. <laughs> so, he's smart. He's a smart guy. Now this I feel like it was just one of those where they were like, hey, I have an idea. Let's do, let's do this. Let's, you know, we're around with Halloween. How Michael Myers couldn't get to, couldn't get to Judith in the, not Judith, uh, Lori in the closet. Well, we're going to just take that and, uh, and fuck it. <laughs> yeah, I know. This zombie knows how to take a door off. Um, but it leads <laughs> to suicide and trash and the gang going down to the basement. And when Suicide rips that shower curtain aside and Charman's there, brains, and fucking dives into Suicide's head. I was like, ah, there we go. Nice fucking cut with that, you know, chop in his fucking brain. Nice little spurt and everything, man. Body shaking laying on the ground. I was like, yep, there we go. We have a nice body shake. Because obviously he would be doing it. He'd be convulsing. And everyone runs up the steps. Including Tina, who falls through the third step. <laughs> yeah, because it's it's that third step she broke through in the beginning. Yeah, this is also what I wanted to ask, because we don't see suicide come back from the dead. Like he doesn't turn into a zombie. He's dead. You know, once he gets killed by Tarman, that's it. So, I guess that's kind of what happens. I guess in some ways in this movie, well, where you could be bitten by a zombie but you don't come back. But you don't come back, and you know they also don't feed on you completely. See, like right. that's where again, like the rules are weird for this thing because yeah. you know hitting the brain doesn't kill them, but yet if they eat your brains, you don't come back. And we'll see this mm-hmm. again with Scuzz later uh, yes. when he gets yep. bit because he doesn't come back either, you know. But meanwhile, yeah. you know, trash comes back because I guess they wanted a naked zombie running around. Yeah, because that was the bizarre thing about Trash is when she gets killed, you have that whole bunch of zombies jumping on top of her and tearing her apart. You assume they're tearing her apart, but when she comes out of the They don't even bite her. Right. Like, it's like, what did they do? Like, they just touched her and she became a zombie? Like, you know, it's like they didn't take a bite. Music video moment, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And apparently she's like a demon zombie, too. Because when she comes back, she could dislocate her jaw like a snake and bite people. Like, I didn't understand. I was like, why? 
why is she kind of like a mutant? Like, it's she's not a uh, zombie. She, I think, again, like, you know what, we're looking at this and saying that there are strict rules in place that are based on other films and other things, and as far as they were concerned, they just want their rules to to go when they need them to go, where they need them to go, and have as much fun as possible doing it. And you know what, I'm enjoying it. You know, that, yeah, that's the I saw that. I'm having fun watching this regardless of that. Am I questioning these things? Yes, I'm questioning them now yeah. through the guise of watching it to cover it for this show. When I'm typically mm-hmm. watching this or when I was watching this as a kid, hell no, I didn't question the thing, man. Nope, yep, you know what? They brought her back. They didn't bring him back. It didn't make a difference to me, man. There were too many other fucking things going on. That's true. That's the exact great point is that you don't notice these things until you watch it. Like we're doing now for the show. We're like, Oh yeah, wait, like he didn't come back, you know, but trash did like, you know, and it's kind of an interesting thing. Um, I like also the fact that the paramedics finally come to check on Frank and Freddie and they're doing all their tests and they don't come back either. There's no pulse. (laughs) They have a a room temperature of 70 degrees and they're like, what the fuck does that mean? Wait, what, are we dead? Like, what do you mean we're dead? <laughs> yeah. But you have the paramedics going back out to their ambulance to, you know, figure out what they're going to do. And you have the zombies running in and attacking both of the paramedics. I, and it I leads to. How they, just, they just rushed yeah. out. Like, run. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. ran out. <laughs> and just a body tackled these people, like, you know, and, and took them. But it leads Fear to the zombies hell. talking, which is great. Uh, <laughs> Send more paramedics. Like, you know, they know how to talk. Like, it's so cool. Paramedics. <laughs> and the, I at least like the fact that the one that said it, you know, looked like he would have lungs still. Because you do need he those. He looked like Shem from the Three Stooges. One <laughs> <laughs> zombie. I was like, he, he Send more like, paramedics. You know, but the fact like that they could talk. And, and, well, that was the cop guy. The doorman was uh, the guy that called for more cops. Okay. Yeah, the doorman was the one that goes, send more cops. And all of a sudden, all the cops come, and they get fucking tackled. <laughs> you have the whole line of cop cars coming in, like five cop cars. And as soon as they get out, they're all attacked. Oh, bum rushed from the, the woods. I fucking loved it. It was just so fucking funny. <laughs> yeah, because you have, you know, Bert and, and everybody going, no, don't go out there. No, no, no. Don't get out of your car. I'm like, what? Like, you know, <laughs> bum rush. <laughs> But, like the ghoul has said, you know, there was so much going on in this movie. Like, for instance, we have a whole other storyline going on that involves the army. Mm-hmm. Because, Bring it up. Because, the, because the army have been looking for these things since they lost them after the incident in 1968. You know, and we have a colonel who's in charge of this investigation, has a, you know, huge-ass, you know, 19, 1980s computer going on there. You know, Saturday morning cartoon, or like lots of bright lights and shit like that. But it's his job to keep track of this and keep updated. Yeah, it's just like another watch. cartoon. <laughs> well, it's funny too because you know when when you think about it, when you look at how Bert's initial reaction was when they uh, when they cracked open the can, you know, and he finds out, and he's all mad at him about it. You know, like, mm-hmm. oh, I can't believe you guys did that, this and that. You know, you get the line earlier from Frank about, well, you know, the Army, you know, the, it's like the, the Army knew where they were, according to him, but they just haven't come around to collecting it yet. And that made yeah. me kind yeah. of feel like this is one of those things that Bert, 
was telling Frank, you know, like, listen, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah, you know, that, that, that they know that it's here. It's just, you know, it's a matter of them wanting to, uh, to, to just come and get it finally, you know, and I feel like that was Bert <laughs> being greedy and saying, yep. hey, I'm oh, yeah. going to hold on to this because eventually it's going to be worth something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Always running the hustle. <laughs> it lends to his character, being a complete dick the entire time. You know, always <laughs> well, wanting an extra little bit of money. If you read the eye chart in the office, it says something oh, yeah. along the lines yep. of that, uh, you know, Bert is a slave driver or something, something, something. And a son of a like bitch. A hairpiece or and a son of a bitch. There you go. <laughs> Not a hairpiece. <laughs> yeah. Bert is a slave driver. Having a Goonies moment, sorry. <laughs> yeah. But I also like that, like, Frank. I don't and, wear and, a hairpiece. <laughs> yeah. I love Frank's talking to Bert being in the movie and he's like, All right, uh Bert, we'll see ya. Yeah, see you over the weekend and he goes, Hey, whatever happened, don't name it after me. <laughs> like, you know, it's like all right. He's one of those fucking guys. Like, you know, he's a slave driver boss. He just wants his people to work late hours. He's gonna go home and you know, and live the life. But he has to come back into this situation. I also felt like, you know, he might be one of those guys that hires people that, you know, are typically considered unhireables. You know, like yeah. uh, Freddie, you know, supposedly is a former punker type of deal who I guess is trying to, to straighten his shit up and all this and that. And, you know, I don't know, Frank kind of comes off to me as like, oh, maybe like an ex-drinker or something to that effect, you know? Yeah, I definitely could see that. You know, or they're working in this probably, you know, minimum wage type of job, but they're making ends meet somehow and you need a medical supply. Um, when they're trying to fortify the mortuary and he's like, well, there's bars on all the windows. So we should be fine. And all of a sudden, all the zombies are bursting through the bars and well, grabbing the chapel. Yeah, in the chapel, chapel that's where it is. Where he yeah. says that there's bars on the windows, but, you know, the rest yeah. of the place yeah. is, is not. You know, they've got to – they basically go through a quick montage, thankfully – of uh, of them just boarding everything up. It's one of those 80s-style fade from one scene to the next. Well, because they have to, because, you know, the, the zombies are outside, and there's no way that they're going to get out, so we have to fortify ourselves in. Um, one of the other things I brought up to the monkey last night, because we were talking about Amazing, theatrical. Amazing, that wood. <laughs> yeah. Well, just like in Night of the Living Dead, where he just happened to find all that wood underneath the sink, and he's like, oh, hey, look, wood. That's cool. Yeah, but, I mean, I don't know. It seemed like this had a hell of a lot more windows. I mean, this is a place of business. you got to figure that it's a much larger establishment than a small farmhouse. Um, Yeah. And, you know, in the farmhouse, it seems like they, you know, they put stuff up. They boarded the windows. But, like, this seemed like every window was boarded to, like, just to a ridiculous level. It wasn't like they just put a couple in place. You know, they they pretty much sealed them fuckers up. Well, I'm sorry, go ahead, And while we had the scenes of them going around and boarding up and stuff like that, I just never understood why they even went through the trouble. Because why didn't they just stay in the, the mortuary part where everything is still reinforced? Yeah, they could have, you know, but that, because it leads into the plan at the end, why they left the mortuary. Because they, at this point, Frank and Freddy are turning into zombies, and they figure they'll have to lock them up in the, the chapel. Like, we'll lock them up in the chapel, and we'll figure out what to do later. You know, we'll come back for you. Tina decides to stay with Freddy because she loves him so much, and she yeah, feels like she's going to have to stay with him. Meanwhile, you know, you have James Karen fucking Bruce Campbelling the shit out of his performance. 
laying on the floor, <laughs> the shaking and shuddering and having foam coming out of his mouth. Like, he is just going all over the place as well, zombie Frank. the Frank role originally supposed to be for the director? Yes, and for he, Daniel Bannon. And then, and then James Karen came in, and he loved what he was doing with it so much right mm-hmm. off the bat that he was like, you know what, you're hired. Like, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, exactly yeah. how it happened. And it worked really well, because I, I love mm-hmm. James Karen in this role, because this is the fact that he's so over the top. Um, when Freddy finally makes that turn into full zombie, and he's like, oh, Tina, I love you so much, but, you know, your brains, like, you know. <laughs> oh, shit. I know. <laughs> well, again, this also, though, you know, we're obviously missing out on one crucial, crucial scene here, and that's Scuzz's death, but more so than Scuzz's death, the fact that we get a half a body. Well, I'll get oh, to that, yeah. Yeah. They, they they capture half of one of these creatures. They strap the her down. Uh, we we learn that she is you know that these things are no stronger than a regular human being. Um, right. That uh that you know that they they are what they are and that's it. It's just the sheer number of force that's allowing them to like break through and do these things. Uh, mm-hmm. But like I said, she does take out Scuzz. A nice little side fact is Scuzz does her voice. Um, the same actor yeah. that she kills is the same actor that voices her. But uh, we find oh, out why. Okay. Why they eat brains. Because it takes the pain away. You know, it's a pain being a zombie because you can feel your body rotting. And the only thing that takes that pain away is brains. But what I love about that zombie is that they have the spinal cord fluid coming out onto mm-hmm. the table. And you get to see that little puddle of uh, spinal cord fluid. I'm like, oh, it's such a good effect. So gross. <laughs> you know, so nasty. <laughs> and that was just a great puppet. It, that that was a wonderful puppet. I fucking love that thing. <laughs> Meanwhile, Spider's like, what the fuck you want to capture this thing? You sure it's safe? You sure it's not going to come out and kill us? It's fine, Spider. It's fine. <laughs> you know, Miguel, uh, Miguel uh, Nunez as Spider is still one of my favorite characters in this movie. And, <laughs> and again, we and we bring mm-hmm. up another thing where we this also goes against the stereotype that you know is known you know or thought of as a stereotype is we have a black guy that is not the first to die in the movie, right? He's living. And if yeah, yep. Sorry, go ahead. Go. Gonna say? No, 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 no. I'm just listening, man. No, you, you guys are right, man. It's, it's Miguel Nunez, dude. You know this guy is the guy who I love him I so know, much. I feel like I yeah. feel like Orlando Jones just copied him and just kind of yeah. like you know was like, oh hey, I saw this guy in a movie and uh, I'm just gonna <laughs> yeah. completely steal his stuff, dude. You know, like he, mm-hmm. again, Return of the Living Dead, Friday the Thirteenth, you know, anything I ever see him in, I'm just always so so happy. Yeah. You know, because he has so many yeah. great lines, like when in the first in the first part of the movie, where he's like, "Well, what, you don't think they're gonna like us?" and he blows a kiss, <laughs> you know, because he's a punk and that's all he cares about. But the fact that he's in survival mode and that's all he wants to do. I love it when uh, Bert finally gets the decision of we're gonna get one of the cars, like we're gonna get one of the cars and we're gonna get out and we're all gonna drive away and figure this out. So Spider goes with him into the cop car. They manage to get in <clears throat> and they drive away. And he's like, what the fuck? What, what man? We got to go back. And he's like, we don't have time. We'll, we'll come back for them later. We have to drive through these zombies first. And then you have the intercut of Tina saying they left us. And Ernie saying they had to. They had no other choice. 
So Ernie's still trying to be the voice of reason throughout all of this, saying, like, they, they'll come back. They just had no choice. They had to leave. So we just have to wait here and hope they bring help. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you know, unfortunately, Ernie, you know, broke his ankle in like the lamest possible yeah. mm-hmm. ankle break yeah. imaginable. It's like, you know, and he admits it. Know, he like, yeah. you know, something just like seemed to like brush up against it, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. my, my ankle's busted." And it's like, like, dude, yeah, I broke my it. ankle, and um, it's worse than that. How, yeah. how bad is it? It's broke. It's broke. Yeah. <laughs> But I love the fact that you have Frank and you have Spider in the cop car driving through these hordes of zombies, and they get over to the you need a medical supply and they crash into the uh, the building, and he goes, oh the the, the car is gone, but it's okay. Uh, Frank's car's out there, my car's out there, not anymore. <laughs> They're on fire at this point. <laughs> He's like, but they reunite with Casey and and uh, the other character. Um, Chuck. And I forgot his name, so uh, suddenly. Chuck. Um, yeah, Chuck. Chuck. Because <laughs> they do have that one scene because Chuck had been trying to fuck Casey the entire movie. And she's like, you know, Chuck, Chuck I never liked you, but fuck. just hold me. And he's like, okay, yeah. baby. <laughs> like, he's still trying to get well, in there. But. Again, that's because he's been, you know, sitting there this entire time trying to get in their pants. Like, he's trying too hard. And like you said, he doesn't fit in. He's not punk rock, you know. And this chick's all about the party. And she's all about, you know, I don't know. I kind of got the feeling that like she was kind of like a wannabe bit of a punk. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. But, you know, maybe, maybe that's that. why she doesn't like Chuck all that much because, like, you know, he's not punk and he's kind of like what she is except without the dress-up. Yeah, I mean, she tells him to yeah. go, chuck a, uh, go choke a chicken at one point and to go fuck off and die. Like, you know, I mean, it's like she's trying way too hard to get this poor guy to get off of her. Like, he's not, like, trying to grab at her or anything like that. He's just legitimately likes her. Like, you know, Dude wants to bang, man. You know, because he does have that line of sex and death in the beginning of the movie. You know, but when they all reunite, you know, uh, Bert and Spider and Chuck and Casey at the Union Medical Supply, it's like, all right, what the fuck can we do now? Let's call outside. You know, we have a phone in the basement, so he knocks Tarhead's face off. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. Knocks the head clear off. (laughs) Yep. That's it. Tarman's gone. All right, back into the basement. And they call the cops, and the cops are like, what the fuck is going on? Like, what is happening right now? He's like, well, you wouldn't believe it, but you can't mess with these people because they'll kill you on sight. And he's like, all right, well, we need to know what's going on. We need you to come out. And he's like, oh, oh there's the zombies. <laughs> you know, and they take out the cops outside, led by trash in full zombie, you know, mode with their weird gaping mouth. Still makes no sense, but I still like it. It was so fun. Nom, nom, nom. Oh. <laughs> totally like deep throat the hell out of you. Yeah, the one cop that was on the phone, she literally just mouthed him to death. <laughs> you know. I feel like they should have cut that scene like just a split second earlier and it wouldn't mm-hmm. have looked quite as silly. Um I mean obviously if they're going for the silly effect then then they succeeded, but I don't know, it kind of came off as, like, uh, not silly enough to be funny. It was more of, like, silly enough to be like, yeah, that's kind of a bad effect. It was. It, it, it was, you know, and I got that this time watching it, too. I'm like, eh, it was all right. Mm, yeah. But we get that uh, back in the mortuary. We we glossed over it a little bit. 
that Ernie had the acid. And he's only got a little bit. Uh, like, he doesn't have a whole lot. He's like, this, but this could kill him. This could kill the zombies. Man, like, you just, you just, just need a little to see it, man. You just need a little. Yeah. yeah. To see the world. And <laughs> oh, they wrong, use wrong it on Freddy. Man, my bad. <laughs> yeah. But the, fa- <clears throat> the fact that they use his acid on Freddy, they throw it in his face, and it burns off his eyes. So now he's got these huge fucking welts on his eyes from the acid. But he's still trying to come after Tina, the killer. And I, just, I love the makeup on Tom brain. Matthews. Like, Dude, the makeup that, was so good. I love that during that scuffle when he first starts going after Tina. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's freaking out. They burst back into the room. They get Tina out. But, you know, if you're watching the background, you see Frank just slip out the door. You yeah, know, he does. Frank right? doesn't want to do. He doesn't want to do anything but just kill himself. You know, at this point, he does not. He loves his wife. You know, he loves being a human, and he doesn't want to go for the full turn. You know, so instead of uh, doing that, he, he sticks himself yeah. in the fucking in the cooker, man, which was a, a brutal well, scene. But again, and, overhand, yeah. completely overhand. Yeah, and the whole the whole thing about that scene was that Daniel Bannon originally wanted Frank to become full zombie and join the ranks of the zombies, just like Trash did. But uh, James Karen didn't want to be out in the cold. He didn't want to be out in the wet. Like, he just said, I don't want to do this. So can we do something where I kill myself? And he's like, I guess. And that's where you get the incinerator death. And it's like the Gullet said, it's a bleak fucking moment because he puts the ring on the fucking switch and he climbs in, and then you just hear him scream as he closes the door, knowing that he's yeah, being I burned mean, alive as a zombie. It's like one part, you know, kind of like sad, one part, again, hammy with the way his, you know, he's still doing the shaky performance and, and mm-hmm. kissing the ring and, and, and all of that. And, like, when he's, it's funny because even though, like, you know, we know his body temperature is room temperature. We know he doesn't have any vital signs. Yet nope. somehow he's still feeling burns when he's <laughs> yeah. touching the, yeah. the, the walls mm. that he's trying to, like, push himself in. It was like mm. he didn't even, like, they didn't direct him on how no. to actually mm. act the scene. Like, hey, listen, Frank, you know, you don't actually have any feeling anymore. You know, your body's got rigor mortis set again, you know, like that kind of deal. Like, he should have felt nothing going that incinerator. Exactly. Like, he like, should have just, just been up. able to go in there yeah. and been, been done with yeah. it. Well, that's but I like that the fact that they did have that screen. Yeah, but he improvised most of that scene. That's why. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it works. Like, you know, realistically, it doesn't work. But when you see his performance, it does. Because he has that scream, and it, 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 it's fine, you know, for the way that they get him out of this movie. Oh, hell yeah. Um, when you have Ernie taking Tina up into the attic um, and just saying, you know, we have to kind of get away. We have Freddy coming after you. I love the fact that he has his Luger out and he's putting up to her temple. Like, I'm going to take you out. (laughs) We are at zero hour. Like, we're done. Like, I'm going to take her out because she's hysterical. And well, no, it wasn't way a matter if he was going to take her out and then him out because it's better oh, he was. the alternative I, yeah, of them yeah. fucking eating you, you know? Like, I, I get right. that completely. But, but then I also took this scene as because he was escaped Nazi or however you want to look at it, and then they're locked in the attic and looking at getting ready to get caught because things are getting bashed. I took this as like an Anne Frank kind of moment. You know, hmm. uh, uh, yeah, you know, 
Wow, you know what? I yeah. never even like thought about that either, man. Holy cow! Like I just think about like uh, like his reaction to the uh, like you know it's it hurts to be dead and whatnot. Right. You know, it's kind of like feeling a little guilty about some of the yeah. shit that he might have done. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, wow! I never, I never put, I never even thought about the whole attic thing. Good call there, monkey. Yeah, great call. Um, I also took it not only as Anne Frank, but I took it as the way Hitler took his way out with Ava Braun, where they were in the bunker. Oh, yes. And at zero hour, so they kill each other. Like, they commit suicide, you know, where it's like, I'll kill you, then I'll kill myself. Murder-suicide, because it's fucking right. happening. So that's the way I took she it, had, because he's a fucking war criminal. And if only he was a part of Hydra, he would have a, you know, a cyanide tablet. <laughs> That'd be great if he just burst out of fucking cyanide tablet. He's like, I know the way out, <laughs> you know. Um, Hail Hydra. But but yeah, but zero hours upon us because they finally get around to calling the number on the tank, you know. And all of this mad shit's going on, and they finally call the number. They you know and you know hold please. We'll put you in, we'll put you in contact with the colonel. All this but, mad shit's going on while they're being put on hold, you know. And did the colonel wakes up from bed and he just don't, you know, t- talking to them, you know, and he's just all calm, taking notes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what time did this happen? Okay, and that happened? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, what okay. you do? Yeah. Oh, understand. Yeah. yeah. You know, like that kind yeah. of thing. You know, like he plays it well. You know he that does. this guy knows everything that needs to be done based on whatever it is. Like if they would have told him that those canisters were still perfectly sealed, then you know what? There would have been a contingent of those soldiers going there to take them, but they probably yeah. would have been wiping out everybody that knew that those canisters existed. Oh, yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Where's the cemetery at? Okay. Yep. And then what would you do? Okay. All right. And then what? Okay, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I understand. Please hold. What happened then? We're still on hold. Sorry, hold on. You know, oh, they're going to help us. Yeah, they're going to come. Like, you know, the military is going to help us out. Like, yeah, they said we're going to. What the fuck is that sound? What's that? What is that? Well, that, that, yeah. That that's that's because the colonel made a call to a howitzer that was outside of Louisville, Kentucky, which oh my fact, god, I, I found out, yeah. which, which I found out was an actual German howitzer mm-hmm. that somehow they got a hold for this film. It wasn't a prop, it wasn't a fact, it was an actual fucking German howitzer that they got for this fucking movie. And I love the guy that's in the uh, the building with the howitzer. He's like, yes, sir. Yes. Good morning, sir. Yes. Okay. What are the coordinates? Okay. Alpha, Bravo, two, nine. Okay. What? 134 miles? 134 miles. Yes, sir. Got it, sir. All right. Executing. And then he just sits up and you see the shell. This is is what it is, though. You know what I mean? Like, you get those orders, you got to do it. It's not like you can question it. You can't sit there. You know, you know you're firing. On, you know, American civilians right there That this is, you know, this is going to take out people in this country Um, Yeah And, you know, again, this is like one of those, like, weird, twisted things Where, you know, as as you're watching the movie, you're thinking about it And you're like, yeah, well, I mean, obviously this is what needs to be done How else are you, you know, you're going to stop this, this from happening 
But then at the same mm-hmm. time, too, when you really take a look at it from like the the perspective of knowing how our military works, yeah, it's kind of shitty. Yeah. It is, and but, that, that's what I talked about with the monkey last night about how we're having fun throughout this entire movie. It's fun, it's weird, but you have this bleak fucking ending with the shell being shot out, and you know it's going to kill everybody. Like it's going to kill Spider and Bird and Casey and everybody else that's in the basement, including all the zombies. Well, well, then they do a terrible uh, long shot of a set, of a terrible model set, <laughs> and have the bad mushroom cloud, and then the, you know, and By then they terrible, take the time you mean to actually... great, then yes, you're right. <laughs> yeah, I know. I like yeah. it. Sorry. <laughs> but this, either way. This is like out. bad Terminator 2, you know what I mean? Like, come <laughs> yeah. on, man. This, this was, I love it. I love that kind I of stuff, man. <laughs> yeah, the fact that that mushroom cloud goes up, and all of a sudden it's like, what? And all of a sudden you get the blowback? Where all the houses yeah. get the shingles ripped off and everything's on fire. And it's like, yep. Yeah. They destroyed a 20, you know, uh, block radius, 4,000 yep, dead. Square blo- it's great. Yeah. Good success, but, sir. But, but it's a, yeah, but it's okay because the rains are going to put out the fire. And Louisville, Kentucky will be, will be safe for when the president comes tomorrow. What we also know, though, is is that, you know, because of this, because we know that it's all that much more, you Mm -hmm. know, devastation, all that much more dead bodies getting burnt and going up into the atmosphere, we know that there's going to be that many more zombies to come, and hence... You know, a real impossible situation because realistically, right. you know, when this movie wraps, we still don't know how to actually kill these things. No, nope. exactly. <laughs> no, and the still shots were great where you have Freddy bursting up into the attic on Tina, and then you see the trash with the other zombies. Me, I hated yeah. freeze frames as a kid, man. Like anytime anything it. froze like this at the end of a movie, it just creeps me out. Like Sleepaway Camp always comes to mind. You oh know, yeah, like, uh, anything that did that. Yeah, there was so many good, but that I love the fact that they use those uh, freeze frames because it adds to that creep factor. You know, with with Freddy bursting up to the attic, with the zombies looking up. And then that bomb drops, and you know that it's completely devastated. But then you cut back to the roundabout where the rain comes down, and we're just repeating the process all over again. Where the yep. zombies coming back out of the ground. It's a grave 45. Literally, though. It's the exact same scene. You know, mm-hmm. that, that's yeah. the part. Like, I wish they could have filmed another scene of it, at least. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah I agree they completely. Just, they just recycled the film. I agree. But, yeah. But that pretty much wraps up Return of the Living Dead, you know. And uh, again, thank thank you guys for you know sitting through this with me. I had a great time watching it for my first time. Um, but this weekend, cool, you're going to the flea market, aren't you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we don't we don't have to do and, another plug, hey. man. We're good, dude. Right. You know, at, at, at that flea market is going to be bonfire beat designs. And you know what? Buy shit, man. There, there you go. There's a quick one. <laughs> yeah. Wait until you see Return of the Living Dead Part 2, Monkey, where they repeat the process, but with two different characters playing the same character actors. James well, Cameron and Tom Matthews. playing different characters <laughs> is what he means to say. As grave robbers this time around, who think this thing happened before, didn't it? 
<laughs> yeah. We're part three with the Romeo and Juliet storyline with yeah. uh, Mindy Clark. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, so uh, and, and and this time they decided to for the sequel to bring in the uh, you know the other '80s trope, annoying child. Oh yeah, they had to. Oh. <laughs> but you do get one of them dying and turning into a zombie, which is fucking so choice. Like it's so good mm-hmm. in the movie. <laughs> Where the boy gets turned into a zombie. Yeah, but that's Return of the Living Dead Part 2. That's along the lines of in the future. So thank you so much, Monkey, for your pick. Uh, no I problem. believe it is your no. pick next week, Ghoul. So do you have something for us? Uh, indeed, I do. Um, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. I think I'm going to stick with it. Uh, I am going against the grain, against my norm. I'm going to go to something a little more classic. Um, I'm going to go with Tenebra. Uh, I don't even Ooh, know if I'm saying like that right. Um, I, I, tenebrae. I know that it is tenor, tenebrae, tenebra. You know me. I like tenebrae. 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 A Dario Argento classic. Indeed. Oh, and, shit. Uh, yes. The gold going so Argento. We, <laughs> I am going to go Argento, man. Like I said, I'm, go, I'm going out of my normal box. And I'm going to go to something a little more serious because I'm sure the doc has something just oh so wonderful lined up for us the week following. So Dead Sushi 2. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> so, uh, Ghoul, have you ever seen you know, Tenebrae? Kill, 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 killer Floor Tile or something like that, you know? Mm. Um, <laughs> Deathbed. No, 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 I have not. This will be my first okay. time watching it. All right, um, I'm excited. I am, uh... You know, I, I, I am too. You know, I'm, I always go into these very tepid. Um, I also always try to at least limit my expectations because of, uh, of the time and all of that stuff. So, you know me. I don't normally like these older films, but this is, uh, this is what I'm going to go for. Yeah, I will not say anything. And this is one of those rare moments where I will not say anything because I'm a huge fan of Dario Argento. And Tenebrae is in my top three, Argento. So... I'm really glad you picked this because I can't wait to discuss it because it's such a, to me, a good movie. You might think differently, and that's why I can't wait to hear your opinions on it next week on the show. I look forward okay. to doing it. And it's for shit, Sean. All right. So, Monkey, uh, thank you for yeah. joining us and for your yeah. pick of The Return yeah. of the Living Dead. Yeah. You go ahead and sign yourself up. Yeah. So, Bright fans, thanks for listening tonight and letting the monkey come in your ear. Good night, everybody. We're <laughs> Mm. All right. Go ahead, Ghoul. Hit us with a quick plug as you do. Oh, again, like I said, man, I'm not really going to go through the full plug all over again. Uh, Bonfire Beat Designs, we will be in Allentown, Pennsylvania this weekend. Come see the Ghoul. Come see the Ghoul girl. Come buy some of her jewelry. Listen, man, you buy her jewelry. She's happy. You know what happens when the ghoul girl's happy? The ghoul gets very happy. Not just because I'm, you know, because she's happy, but it's because when she's happy, she pleasures me all that much more. And a pleasured ghoul is a good ghoul. So get your asses out. 1901 <laughs> South 12th Street, Allentown, PA. Five dollars to get in there. The horror sideshow market. There's gonna be guests. There's a hundred something vendors. There's gonna be so much shit to buy, man. So much stuff. Get your asses out there and stay scared. Okay. Until next we meet, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, saying thank you so much for listening to this episode. We'll see you back here next week for the ghouls pick 
of Tenebrae, to which I think is a Dario Argento classic, and again, wheelhouse time. So I cannot wait to talk about this movie next week with you boys. Keep America strong. Keep watching horror movies. Keep it weird, people. I'll see you next time. Great.